just see... Okay. Oh, we're recording. We are recording, and this is episode 16 <laughs> of Inherently 16. Human. And actually, Aiden just found out that we are now on the Spotify podcast distributing system. I mean, less than a minute and a half ago, he found out. So, sir, what is your reaction to that? So, context, Jim just out of the blue says, oh, I might have sent in our podcast to Spotify. I did submit. I Just submitted it. <laughs> casually in yeah. the conversation. Right, right. So I opened up my Spotify to see, you know, what I could find. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, every episode is now on Spotify. We are officially a Spotify podcast. We're on Apple. We're yeah. on YouTube. This is... This is real. This is legit. I mean, that's kind of awe-inspiring. It almost engenders a certain kind of vertigo. It's like you look out and you realize, and I'm not overblowing this, I don't think, but it's worldwide. We're worldwide. (laughs) Sure, there's half a billion podcasts, so uh, the chances of somebody happening upon us are minuscule, but nevertheless... (laughs) We're on Spotify. (laughs) We're on Spotify. You could put it on your resume. I I most certainly am going to do that. That's. Oh, I really don't know how to respond to something like this. I've never. We. I don't think when we started doing this. True. Um, I think, and we've definitely said this in previous episodes that. Maybe if we get to episode ten, we'll we'll start Be taking this proud of ourselves. Yeah, taking this a little bit more seriously. Yeah, and then six episodes later, we find ourselves huh. on Spotify, which is from the beginning exactly what we were trying to do. Um, right. Right. That was that was our peak moment, I guess. Is that now we're on Spotify? And now we just got to ride this momentum until we find uh, our own personal success out of it. Well, and. To me, it celebrates a kind of intellectual connection that you and I have. Mm Because when I was busy assembling the parts to put them on iTunes, I had to summarize every episode. And it isn't as though I listened to every minute of every episode again. But I had to listen to every one of them enough to be able to summarize what it was about. And what seemed to me to happen every time is that we would ramble at first. You know, you'd be all over the map. Something oh, yeah. we'd be saying, this and that. And like clockwork, <laughs> we lock in. On something, and then we just go. something. <laughs> and then have a good conversation about it. And whether or not we get discovered by someone in Paris, France, for example, which probably, I mean... Could happen. Sure. I mean, we are English, so I would doubt that, uh... Yeah, Paris may not. (laughs) I don't know. Somewhere, maybe just Maui. Somewhere. I'll take that. Yeah. Another state other than Oregon. People would feel pleasure in listening to a connection. That people have. It's nice, isn't it? I mean, just the humanity. Well, that's <laughs> the title. Inherently Human. Inherently Human. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Inherently Human. And uh, did we give our names? I don't think... I. You said my name, I said your name, but... <laughs> All right, I'm Jim uh, Newman. Yeah, <laughs> he's Jim Newman. I'm Aiden DeBoard. Um, I'm 20. 
One of the premises of this podcast is that the age gap is significant. Yeah. I mean, significant. Wow. It's over the top. I'm 52 years older than him. I'm 72 years old. And yet, it seems like we, I don't know, uh, the connection is solid even though that age differential is, you know, voluminous, I guess you could say. Over half a century. That's... Man. Oh, all right. Anyways, um, <laughs> beyond how spectacular we are, um, go us. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy it year. is uh, the first podcast of the 2019 year. Um, do you have any New Year's resolutions? I have made a lot of significant steps, and I don't think that I've categorized anything that I'm doing as a New Year's resolution, although they do seem to have coincided with the New Year. One of the things that I'm doing is dabbling experimentally, and I think I told you this off mic, but not anything we've discussed in the podcast, is that I have looked at using marijuana to enhance my creativity in writing. Mm -hmm. And I started that a number of weeks ago. I'm not sure quite how long ago. And I had not had marijuana since 1980. So it's completely out of my purview in any way. The use of it, the amount that I should be taking, the types of marijuana that are available these days. I know, knew nothing about it, but I happened to talk to a friend that I trusted who assured me that in his experience, yes, marijuana can indeed help you in your creativity. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then, yeah, well, what kind of marijuana? Because it turns out there's sativa and whatever. Indica. Okay. Yep. (laughs) And they have their own components which produce different psychic results in the person smoking. And I guess, you know, the individual, probably all individuals react differently, but Mm -hmm. I had to start at square one and what I did was go to a place late one Sunday night when finally it was like, yes, I'm going to do this. <laughs> Brought and, yourself around. Uh, yeah, I mean, I drove out to a dispensary mm-hmm. and I said, I want to be a more creative writer than I am, and I'm wondering if you could help me. Well, I think it was the second string that night. I mean, it was late on a Sunday night. Yeah. There was a woman there who looked at me curiously and seemed not to fully understand what I was talking about. That's my impression. Uh, She didn't seem to be on board with the idea that marijuana can stimulate creativity or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. what she sold me was sativa that was 92.4%. THC. <laughs> well, I have this friend, the one who had told me that marijuana enhances his creativity as a writer, mm-hmm. and I like the guy, yeah. and so I totally believed him, 
but I texted him and I said, well, mine's 92.4. And his response, even though it was a text, was along the lines of, uh, that's quite a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, that is, that is yeah. quite a bit. <laughs> so, uh, I nevertheless soldiered on mm-hmm. and into the realm of and, yes, and, and this this wasn't a, a a flower, right? It was no, was this it is oil. oil. This is yeah. I bought uh, an electric vape pen. I guess mm-hmm. that's the only kind there is, vape pen, and I understood that a dose was very helpful. On the uh, box, it said that a Serving is a six-second inhale. Oh, yeah, that's never heard of that before. No, I just I just kind of uh, pull until I stop. (laughs) (laughs) There's no. (laughs) I was trying to do it by the book, and I had no real guidance other than my friend Jonas. Yeah, yes. So. so, yes, it sent me into the stratosphere. It took quite a while yep. for me to come down. And when I started writing, it was like a certain part of me, an editor part mm-hmm. of me, just looked at what I had written on the page. And mind you, this is my novel about Vietnam, and I've been working on it a long time. Yeah. I've gotten positive responses uh-huh. from people about that book. <laughs> But I want to sell it to uh, a big publisher in New York, not some small house, and I need an agent for that, and I was not getting acceptance, and so whatever. I needed to rewrite at least the first 20 pages or something like that. So that's what I'm doing. I'm working on the pages. I see how wrong it is now through... The enhanced, and I really believe this is true, mm-hmm. on the marijuana, after things calm down from the 92.4%, yeah, right. I am more focused mm-hmm. than I was before. And so as an editor, I'm saying, why did you say that? No, 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 you're using way too many words. You're getting into the weeds, and it isn't what you mean to say anyway. Yeah. Okay, so... So I was feeling pretty good about that. Right. And uh, that went on for several iterations. And then my process is that sometimes I don't smoke and I go through it again and I look at it. And it depended on the day. Sometimes I was thinking, yeah, that's better. Yeah. Or sometimes it's like, I don't know, man. Maybe it's just a mood thing. Yeah, it's very hard when you're in it to tell, I think, what's good in fiction writing and what isn't. So, ultimately, I took maybe a week off. I was doing other things. Mm Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really working on the book. I wasn't smoking. Right. I wasn't reading what I had written. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. And so that was a helpful kind of stop that mm-hmm. I had there. <clears throat> it rested my brain. And when I came back to it, I realized that, yes, the marijuana certainly helped. Oh, okay, yeah. But it was also true that my writing tended to slop over the top got 
too intensely weird. Yep. Sounds about because right. Because in whatever fashion, I was like maybe overconfident or I don't really know why, but it, it, it got, I wouldn't say flowery, but there were flourishes that did not ring true. They were... A little bit too positive for the what you're trying to write about or what's... Um, wow. You know, I really, I think that I tended to want to describe the landing zone, mm-hmm. that is the, the, the camp that I was at in Vietnam, in terms that relied too heavily on metaphor or something. Oh, yeah. And a little bit too creative for your own yeah, yeah, man. It's like, oh, my God, this guy's really a writer. That <laughs> kind of thing. Really over-explaining everything. Yeah, in this kind of flourishy way. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah so, but what was good... Mm-hmm. Now, I got to say that when I realized that I had done that, there was a real moment of despair. Oh. Because I thought, oh, man, I was really hoping the marijuana would really help me, man. Yeah. And now I look at the page, and I see that on the marijuana, I overdo it. But luckily, and this is true for me, I'm able to stick with it, and I calmed it down after that first wave of disappointment, and Mm -hmm. suddenly... I'm seeing... You got something. You got I something got there. something yeah. solid here. I just <laughs> got to take out some words. So it sounds like to me that you, the reaction that you get from smoking is that it releases everything that you have in your mind. Every single way that you want to describe something in your mind yeah, is maybe. vividly put down onto a page. Yes. But <clears throat> it's so wordy that yep. by the time you end that metaphor or whatever you're doing, the subject matter has been lost. Yes, and you've lost your audience. Right. So I think that's a flawless way to write something because not only you're getting all the ideas out that you feel are necessary. Yeah. And then you just trim the fat on the sides. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. That's Yeah, no, that I, I'm not a writer, but if I were... I think that would probably be my preferred way of editing my work. There are just little fragments of insight mm-hmm. that uh, in some way aren't usually accessible to me. Uh-huh. For example, like the texture, the metallic texture of a helicopter in the sunlight as it's starting to land. Okay, some part of my mind might have noticed that, but it isn't something that I think to put on the page Mm because I'm worried about the people and the action. But what the marijuana does is allow me to understand that there are just huge... Clouds of detail that we, that, we, that I, I think because we have to, after all, act in this real world. We mm-hmm. can't be stunned by everything we notice. We, we have to edit in real time. We have to edit our senses. So 
we notice, you know, the traffic lights, or we notice if you're driving a car, that pedestrian's in the street, that kind of thing. But you don't say, oh my God, the glitter of the rain on the asphalt is just knocking me out mm-hmm. at the moment. But with the marijuana, it brings it some wants of every that detail there. Yeah. And then it's kind of, because I've been writing for a really long time, it's kind of a simple matter, I think, now, to take what's good of that, Mm -hmm. and I got no problem chopping the rest. (laughs) You take all the best parts, you select everything you need to convey whatever you're trying to, and the rest of it gets scrapped into the... The blooper section, if you will. Well, the, uh, I mean, it's just delete, delete, delete. Yeah. You know? And so, I mean, we'll see the proof, of course, <coughs> of my theory that things are working better now is being somehow accepted by an agent mm-hmm. and uh, ultimately being accepted by a publisher, right? You have step one down. Step two through yeah, infinity yeah. is yet to come. And, and I've got three books that I've got to do this with. I guess on the Vietnam one, and by the way, today, before you and I met, mm-hmm. I, I did read it over, and I am pretty convinced that the impression I had the other day when I first read it and then edited it down mm-hmm. is correct, that things are much, much better. That the observational skill of the narrator, me on the page, is much, much more solid. Okay. And that those characters live in a real environment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got no problem if marijuana helps me do that. And I will do that. But the other day, well, yesterday, I was in the market for a less intense marijuana Than 92.4? Yeah. I would hope so. So uh, uh, another friend recommended a dispensary here in town where the people really are knowledgeable. Okay, where is that? Well, uh, we could give them a plug, I guess. It's called Khalifa. I feel like I've heard of that place. It's on 52nd and Woodstock. The guy's there. Very affable. I walk in. I feel like I'm an alien in this territory. (laughs) But they're really friendly. Yeah. Any dumb question I ask, they don't even blink. They're not even dumb questions them. They've heard it all. Sure. Yeah. And they really wanted to help me. And the guy I talked to on the phone before that really wanted to help me. Yeah. And he was saying, oh, yeah, 92.4%. That's, uh, you were, I don't remember if he said in the stratosphere. Probably didn't say that word. But he said something like that. Yeah. And. I mean, that'll send you soaring real high. That's, that's an (laughs) unnecessary number to hit. That probably meant that, um. I expended a lot more energy than I needed to, um, waiting to come down. Yeah, probably. Where I could focus. And then even when I, when I did write, yes, that editor part of me was really kicked in and that seemed like a good thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I ended up overwriting on the page. Nothing wrong with that. 
Yeah. Better to have too much than too little, and then deal with that as you need to. Well. Because then if you get rid of something that you did like, you know, you can always just bring it back. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, uh, I often think that I would be a, a terrible instructor in a writing class. Mm-hmm. Because it seems so personal to me, the relationship to words that a person can have. And I think I'm slowly, uh, if not understanding how to more properly use vocabulary, I don't, I use really simple words, but somehow I, I can recognize better when I'm looping around and, instead of being direct. And so nice. that's what I'm doing. And uh, that's that story. That's <laughs> So we were having a conversation before we started recording about your art. <clears throat> um, so you said you wanted to focus more on your writing right now than your painting or your drawing or anything like that, right? Right. I've, I've done all of that. I, mm-hmm. um, I love painting. I love the creative outlet of what you can do with line and color. It's just that I started producing a lot of work and it was piling up in portfolios and no one's buying it. So all of these, and uh, we are, by the way, recording at my condo right now because yep. there were no study rooms available at <laughs> the PSU library. Yesterday, I swear I reserved it, but it was it's two pages of confirmation where I got to confirm and then I have to reconfirm. And then I guess on the reconfirmation, I exited the page before I finished and so we didn't get the room, unfortunately. So here we are at Jim's place, and it's my first time being here. Right. And I'm looking around. Jim's showing me around. And Jim has all of his, or at least most of his paintings, hung up on the walls. And I'm amazed, personally, that no one bought this stuff. Because <laughs> God bless you. I love it. <laughs> I don't care who you are. This shit is fantastic. And that's not my bias because Jim is my friend and I should support him. But I actually do enjoy his art. I would just like to interject here that I am actually not painting now because I was piling up picture after picture, creating portfolios that uh, I end up storing up in the attic. Mm -hmm. And that just seemed kind of sad. You know, a great artist. They're going to find all this wonderful work, make millions of dollars after I'm dead. So (laughs) I stopped painting for that reason. You'll have a legacy in some capacity. Sure. I can see it. Yeah, that's comforting. Um, The more I look at your paintings, the more I'm reminded of uh, Red Skelton. Do you know who that is? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He painted clowns, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, and how do I'm amazed you even know that, but go ahead. (laughs) So, for those who don't know, Red Skelton was a comedian, a uh, 
sketch artist, actually. I think he was he was an old timey sketch artist from like the fifties, I believe. Uh, 60s? Mainly, he probably was around in the forties too. Because mm-hmm. uh, I remember there was some black and white stuff of him. Yeah, in my era, he was on television, but I think he might have been in vaudeville at some point. <clears throat> and my work reminds you of. His work, or what? Yeah, so my grandparents right now, uh, they're the ones who introduced me to Red Skelton. That's how I know who he is. Okay. Um, And so I've seen his sketches and everything like that, and they also have three of his paintings. I doubt they're the originals. I haven't bothered to ask that. Really, though? Yeah, but they have three of them, and the way, or at least the style that he uses... The very cartoony but semi-detailed situational portraits. It just the way that you do your stuff reminds me a lot of what he's done, Um, and I've only now kind of realized that. But I think you should absolutely start getting your stuff out there, just because I I like it enough, but. I don't really have the funds to to purchase your... So you're not my market? Is that what you're telling me? Well, <laughs> I... Okay, so interest-wise, absolutely I'm your market. Right, right. Economically, unfortunately, I cannot purchase your art. Well, the thing about it is, I mean, I only painted because... It felt good to paint. I did not paint because I wanted to make money, although certainly I was not going to refuse it had it come in. And I actually did sell a couple of paintings for $900. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, okay. Which is pretty cool. And that was very flattering because the subject matter, by the way, my paintings look a little bit like animated cartoons. They generally have a gag associated with them. That is, it's typically a little tableau with a comic undercurrent. People in a silly situation. That is what I paint. And so... um, on those rare occasions when I actually sold something, yeah, I felt so great that my silly picture was something that they actually wanted, and I imagined this, I don't really know where they put the paintings, but in, my li- in their living room, that would really be great. Because I thought it was that funny mm-hmm. that they want all their friends to see it. Yeah. Like one of my paintings, you haven't seen it, but... I don't really have it here, uh, was a stage with a big audience in an auditorium, and mm-hmm. there's an opera going on. It's obvious that people are singing. There's a woman and a lead male singer, and he's in armor of some sort, you know, like mm-hmm. you would expect in an opera. And there's an elephant falling <laughs> from above the stage, yeah. uh, in the rafters, where the lights are, there's an elephant, and it's falling. And it's going to hit the guy that's singing right now. Uh, now, that's <laughs> an absurd scene. That's kind of surreal, yeah. But 
Somebody bought it. Somebody, Somebody bought in it. the Pearl District bought the original to that. I I <laughs> want to explore. So I want to ex- explore. I want to explore the Pearl District. I want to go through every shop and see. Was it like? Do you think a shop owner has it now, or do you? Think uh, no. Uh, what? Or? What? <clears throat> my I had an agent for a while. She was very good and she was very aggressive. <laughs> and the mm-hmm. only public display of one of my paintings is on 23rd on the tavern that's called Knob Hill. I think it's called Knob Hill Tavern. Knob Hill. I, um, it's I feel on, like I know where that um, is. Yeah, it's, it's right by Good Samaritan Hospital. It's right at the corner of 23rd and... Something. Something, brother. Knob Hill's... Their Knob their Hill thing Tavern. is a, a whiskey, isn't it? Um, they 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 really sell great hamburgers. Oh, real okay. thick, you know, okay. evil, heart stopping, <laughs> the best kind, blood vein, you know, vein clogging. Oh, I'm getting heart delicious thinking about it. <laughs> They're really good, but one of my paintings is there. But no, the the elephant painting was actually in a fast food restaurant in the Pearl District. Mm-hmm. She went, Renee went to uh, a, a bunch of places and offered to hang my paintings for a month at a time with mm-hmm. the understanding that, yeah. They'd try to sell them. They'd try to sell them. And so someone bought that, that, that opera and the elephant painting. Somebody who lived nearby in the Pearl. So, presumably, if they're still there and still like it, <laughs> it's on their wall, which feels good. All right. That's, yeah. that's so fantastic. Now you get, so this actually kind of reminds me exactly what we're doing here with the podcast is, you know, we, we kind of started this for us. Yeah. And true. if we start making profit out of it, like, might as well. I'm not going to say no to it. Very similar to how you started with your paintings. And who, you know, I mean, I have read lots of biographies of people. And certainly there are infinite examples of individuals who go to their grave with no success after Mm -hmm. trying and trying and trying. But the people who do make it also appear to start from exactly that same square one and for whatever reason, in their case... Enough people started yeah. buying their shit. And there is, in my opinion, no explanation for the difference between the two. So it's possible. As I think I mentioned on an earlier podcast that Disney could make an epic film out of this somehow. You know, use us and the oh. name Inherently Human and... <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to we'd let them work on the script. Should, should we sell ourselves out this quickly? <laughs> uh, yeah. Episode 16, it. we already go to the top with Disney. Right. Here we are fantasizing, and that's really if, ridiculous, obviously. If we sold the inherently human rights, not that we really have them in the first place, but um, our intellectual rights to inherently human to Disney... Maybe I could retire already at 20. That <laughs> would be probable. I mean... I mean, unlikely, but one can dream, can he? 
Sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a possibility that that kind of thing could come down. I don't know. Well, we are on Spotify now. We're on Apple. We're on YouTube. I mean, we're we're only a couple steps away from becoming the most successful podcast ever, right? I I feel like that's in the future. That's my 2019 resolution. Well, I don't know <laughs> how it'll play, but I love the possibility here that that something can happen could be achieved and just like with my writing you know or the podcast yeah something could come down so what's going on with you these days what's what's my resolutions here other than becoming the most successful podcast right (laughs) which did kind of throw you for a loop i know yeah um you know that it's I don't know. I don't have any resolutions, unfortunately, um, because I'm flawless already. Oh, mm-hmm. No. Um, I know there are a lot of things that I can work on, but <clears throat> I don't think I need a brand new year as the day that I start doing any of that. You know? it's If I want to change something, <clears throat> if there's something about me that is undesirable either to other people or to myself, then I feel it necessary to deal with that then and there. You know? Right, right, like, right. Yeah. Why, why wait for an anniversary, yeah. know, like a date, which is just the calendar? Exactly. So it, I just... The idea of re- resolutions is good. I, I think it helps a lot of people, but personally for me... Uh, issues come up a lot throughout my life. Throughout every single year, a lot of things happen. And so I'm going to deal with it as I see fit. And I don't need a changing of a number once every 365 days to say that this is the time to change that. So I... As of right now, I have no resolutions. I have no resolutions as of the new year, but... As we go out through this year, I'll definitely find something that I might want to change, something I want to do, become the most successful podcast. Well, did that really excite you? I mean, are you really glad that we're on Spotify and on iTunes? I mean, where does that fit in your life? I actually have wondered a bit uh about the exposure that this means for both of us for example me talking about marijuana use which is illegal in lots of states but not right? federally yeah and illegal federally <laughs> so uh there's a level of exposure that might mean one thing to me because I'm 72 right but you at 20, yeah. let's say mm-hmm. hypothetically that these somehow stay online for your entire life. You could imagine that your words, and I'm not saying this will happen, but if they kind of dog you through your years, uh, does that give you pause at all or, or not? And by the way, do you have advisors? Have you talked to people about this? Because it's kind of a big deal, right? I mean, in a way it is. Yeah. Like, what if it did break and become something? 
So, because I'm so young right now, there's yeah. a lot of ways that my life can split into different directions. There's True. a million different things that can happen That's to me. That's absolutely the case. Whether it be my current career path, whether it be something within college, whether it be this podcast. I mean, I have no idea, but nothing risk, nothing earned. Mm-hmm. And so... <clears throat> I think people want to listen to a podcast that's real. They want to listen to someone, some people, who are really just not afraid to say what they have on their mind. And it's kind of one of those things where, you know, not everyone's going to be willing to do that. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm putting a lot on the line by doing this podcast, talking about what we talk about, and putting myself out there, and... My name and face are now on Spotify. Like that's <laughs> that's true. And that's so, really true. Um, I'm out there, but we're in a new we're in a new age. We're in a new technological age where things like this could be entirely beneficial to me. And so, I mean, we'll just see where things go. I've got no idea where any of this will lead us or how well how successful this is going to be except it's going to be the most successful in 2019 um hear that disney i'm I'm just saying (laughs) disney i know that's kind of silly but i i think it's possible it's i actually like you and you didn't use these words but you're talking about being young you're 20 and i know uh looking back at my life that it's absolutely true that i just the fragments of circumstance that can fall together in one way or they can coalesce in another way and they can become something and so you already know that you're not just going through the life trying to get your degree and knowing for sure what's going to happen no it sounds to me like you're looking at the excitement fully understanding that it's all in some sense probabilistic it can shift because a butterfly died in Thailand or something, you know. The the, the butterfly effect, effect flapping yeah. its wing, yeah. Yeah, and so that your life is fluid because of that. I, oh man, that's, it's something that's hard to think about a lot. Um, just because there's so much ahead of me and there's a lot of cynicism in the world right now. And I absolutely am part of that cynicism. So, especially with my generation, um, we feel a lot of... And I know I don't speak for every millennial, but for the most part... um, The people you meet and talk to echo in some sense, right? In some way. This is obviously my opinion, but if it's a millennial opinion, so it might... Well, transgressed well, I mean, sure, I'd go with that. I mean, I think that's logical. We're not pretending here. Right. I think that's real. And as a millennial, it's hard to believe that this country or this world or a lot of what we have going on is going to last very much longer. Hmm. Um, you mean because of global warming and the like? With climate change, with... Uh, the economic markets that are happening right now. I'm not a political guy. I'm not 
a economic guy, but I know being firsthand experiencing a lot of this, how uh, wages and cost of living, all these different kinds of things affect me in my age and everyone else around me, and then everyone else is still trying to live in their way, too. Well, are you thinking that it's making things harder for you? Mm-hmm. My, not only myself, but a lot of people my age. Say more about that. Well, I'm not an expert. No, I and know, so but how I don't... you perceive the world is your perception. That's fair. And that's valid. I think, and it's very cynical to think this no, way. No, go ahead. I like to adhere to the philosophy of wholesomeness, but wholesomeness <laughs> and cynicism can go hand in hand if need be. Sure. I think we are fucked. 100%. I actually do. I I feel bad saying that, but it's just kind of... Uh, I feel so pessimistic thinking about this, but <clears throat> it's... Let me try to get my thoughts in order here. It's been a long day. It's been a very angry day for yeah, me. Yeah, a long and frustrating day um, for Aiden today. Oh, and now just thinking about this even more. Well, we, we have so much division in our life right now. We have so much pollution and corruption and... Just all these inside systems with a lot of people who are not going to be around long enough to... Suffer the consequences. Suffer the consequences, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so that leaves me stuck with it. And so I don't know the statistics right now, but within the last decade, I think it is, or I can't... Within some frighteningly short time period, we have pissed away like 50% of our natural resources and what's being told to the public a lot is that it's the individual's fault it's your fault for buying all of those starbucks cups it's your fault for using plastic straws it's your fault that you don't have an electric car that everyone is dying and that's not the case the case is that we have massive corporations we have factories we have all of this shit going on that are furiously polluting being 90 percent of the actual problem but us 10 percent are the ones who are blamed but nothing's changing from them but they're also the people who no longer have to suffer the consequences because they won't be long enough here to see right because they'll all be dead of heart attacks and you as a 50 year old might have to deal, deal with. with some sociological or civilization-wide adjustment that would be catastrophic. A real Armageddon without God coming back. Exactly. It's And so that's why I'm so cynical is because, sure, I can do everything I can as an individual in my life, but there's... N- not a lot that me as an individual I can do in my life that will change the overall outcome of everything. I'm just a drop in a bucket that unless the bucket changes, nothing's going to work. And yet, and I'm not trying to be Pollyanna here, I mean, the articulate nature of your insights, I mean, you can voice them with clarity and honesty, mm-hmm. 
And yes, this podcast has no clear audience yet, <laughs> but still, it is out there. And so your helplessness, and let's just take the podcast out of it. I mean, you're a pretty dynamic person. I think anybody listening understands that you're an intelligent, energetic, insightful person. I'd like to think so. Yeah, yeah, you already know that. I'm not like breaking some headline news. <laughs> yeah, for this you. isn't this isn't a brand new discovery. Yeah, this no. Is... And 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 so <laughs> if there's some positive outcome in the future whether you're directly involved or not, it will be people like you who have to deal with who it. save the world. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's hard to think about uh, the future and everything, but we are. I feel like we could do uh, an entire separate episode on the cynicism of the future. Well, uh, do you think we should do that on the next episode? Well, we are 46 minutes in. That's our usual ending point. And I agree with that. So, <laughs> I have to say... I'm I'm Aiden DeBoard. Jim Newman. This has been Inherently Human, episode 16. 16. With that, we'll see you in episode 17, where we talk about how uh, nihilistic I am and cynical about our future. And that the world's potentially going to hell. See you then. That's <laughs> it.